It is your buddy and your pal, Ouch, back again with what you've been playing, the video game review show here on the Ouchcast. Hit that music, please. I do not dream at all. Or if you're one of these types, I don't remember my dreams. Listen. If all you see is the inky black void of existence in between alarms to wake you up, it's called not dreaming. But the dream world and the subconscious are great backgrounds to have video games take place in. Freewheeling worlds that can take the shape of anything, weapons are only limited by your creativity, and that hot tub with Jesse Jane, Tara Patrick, and Kobe Tai, all in their prime, has got to be here somewhere. But today's game is not one of those creepy dating simulators that get you kicked off of Twitch. We are looking at Dreamscaper, a third-person hack-and-slash-style roguelite that dials up more fantasy elements and real-world feelings instead of just letting the weird guy who drew monsters on his notebook in school take over the visual design department. In Dreamscaper, you play as Cassidy, a new resident of the town of Redhaven. Away from her home, family, and old friends, Cassidy is trying to find a new life, but also dealing with the feelings that plague a person when starting over. Fear, isolation, things like that. But at night, when she enters the dream world, she's exploring her own past, finding memories of her old hometown, all while fighting nightmare creatures, like fear. Except now, it's a giant fish monster. The visuals in Dreamscaper lean towards a very cool, ambient, soft, I hate to say it, but dreamy style. Although the art for the splash page is literally completely different and is not seen in the game at all. Weird little quirk there. Anyways. The dream world gives off the feeling of exploring past memories, and instead of walking between square maps like a Legend of Zelda dungeon, everything phases in and out, like you have to bring up each location from your memory every time you go to it. That's really cool. But the enemy design... Eh... Honestly, they come off as a little generic. Sans the boss fights. I mean, the representation of the nightmare is subjective, don't get me wrong. But here, when it's just a black, almost formless mass, except for that one has a sword or this one shoots projectiles, you think they could do better than just some inkblot tests come to life. On the flip side, the real world tends to be a little bit creepier which is a life lesson for us all. The world map makes everything look like a town that just kept building on top of the previous town. Like, it's really slapped together, yet everything seems to be normal when you actually go there. This is an unfair comparison, but if you've seen the cover art to Ready Player One, the book, where it looks like the entire world 
is built like a really messy high school locker. That's kind of what the city looks like in this game. But that's not even the creepiest part. In the city, you have human beings called friends you can talk to. Except that all of the human beings don't have any faces. They're all just those wooden modeling dolls that artists use when they don't want to see anything naked at the time. It's a strange choice when making a game about finding your way in a new town, yet all the social activity is with possessed lumber wearing people clothes. In the audio department, there's not a whole lot going on here. There's no real voiceover, there are barely sound effects. It's as if Quaaludes had a brand of headphones, it is such a low-key experience. I mean, most of the background music is honestly one step above elevator music, but in a really weird way, it's kind of fitting. The tenderness and the sensitivity of the background music in stages, after you've defeated all the monsters, really lend a sense of weird nostalgic pangs for me, like I'm flashing back to childhood memories like the character is. Granted, if I wanted to flash back to childhood, all I have to do is look at my DVD shelf. I have so much Digimon to watch, you guys have no idea. To finally get to the part where I actually talk about the video game portion of this video game, it's a really enjoyable mix. This falls into the realm of the roguelite experience, where you get one shot to get as far into the game as you can, but if you die, everything resets and you start over. While the permadeath factor is there, it never reaches that head-stomping difficulty level like the big names of the genre. It's almost more like a Diablo 3 experience, although a little more precise. You have a melee weapon, a ranged attack, a changeable dodge move, two different superpowers for a lack of a better term, and the ability to freeze time. A lot of the fun comes from the weapon craziness from being in the dream world. It'll pull some God of War shit, where you can find super crazy yo-yos covered in blades and other things like that. Meanwhile, back in the real world, this is where you slowly grow over time and add improvements to you and the dream world. Things like daydreaming new weapons, adding new floors to the dream world, stuff like health fountains and better shop items, etc. Meditating to improve your health and stats all very good metaphors for the human experience. There's even a very Persona-esque system where as you get to know the people in town, they'll give you various boosts like better defense, stronger ranged attacks, etc. Again, a very good presentation that's a lot better than just the usual carpenter troll to change a dungeon or whatever. So. How long will you be playing this game? Welp, it's a roguelite with permadeath with the Thorazine drip of improvements. This is designed to take up time. There tends to be a lot of luck and RNG when it comes to better weapons and power-ups, but the balance is that the stats always go up. 
this is a terrible basic bitch example by me, but if you start with a 2, the next weapon drop could be a 2, 3, or 4. It rarely gives you something completely worse that mixes with nothing in the build you're running with on this round. I think this is the balance to go for to make it fun. There's also the option, once you have a big list of tools and supplies and moves, that you can pick what you want to start with. This is fine when you are going for a big finish or just to get as far as you can, but I honestly like the idea of starting with random equipment every time. It's a different kind of challenge, and the surprise of the capsule toys filled with nightmare-killing violence is a good dopamine hit. Overall, Dreamscaper finds the balance of fun, fun combat gameplay, constant and steady growth, and a unique aesthetic that does make it stand out in the sea of roguelikes. Don't get me wrong, it really doesn't evolve the genre too much, but it does maximize the tools given to make it a bit of a standout title. Amazingly enough, I even found myself getting a little bit emotional where I was finding myself relating to the main character, living in a new city as a stranger and reflecting upon past memories. You know, my top two are Hades and Dead Cells. This is close to that area. Honestly, I'm even surprising myself by giving Dreamscaper a recommendation. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this episode of The Ouchcast. Do you want to help a podcaster out? First, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at JustOuch, capital J-U-S-T, capital A-E-W-C-H. Then, leave a five-star review on Spotify. It's new for them, give it a try. And if you feel so inclined, consider a monthly reoccurring donation. Just go to anchor.fm slash ouch and click support this podcast. Choose from three levels and donate what you feel is right. You can even leave a voice message for me to hear, and you might even hear it on a future episode. Until next time, this was your buddy and your pal Ouch saying thanks for listening, and you'll hear from me soon. Bye bye everyone.